And so you have like these experiences in your lives that, I don't know, I feel like they just form who you are. And as I've gotten older, fear feels more like a burden now than something that can be a companion. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Enneacast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I am Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and today we continue our journey through the head triad. We come to type number six, the loyalist. Yes, these are our dependable, steadfast, true friend. Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Yes. Uh, Hey, just a reminder, if you've not yet listened to the type six episode from season one, we want to encourage you to go back and listen to that before continuing this episode, because we are going to do a pretty deep dive and we don't want you to get lost. So a reminder, these folks, type six, when they are resourceful, they are dependable. They're going to do everything they say they're going to do. Uh, They are well prepared and they are highly responsible. Yeah, and when they're non-resourceful or unhealthy, they can be a little paranoid, uptight. They can assume the worst about themselves and other people, and they are just highly skeptical of the world and people around them. So this season, we're asking the question, how can I change? And before we move on to the good news, it's first important that we acknowledge the bad news about ourselves. So here's Sam to (laughs) once again tell you all the bad news. Our favorite segment, (laughs) Sam gives you the bad news. So sixes, as we know, are in the head triad, and those in the head triad primarily struggle with the issue of fear. And for the six, fear actually gives birth to the deadly sin of more fear. So let's talk about the top three particular ways that this deadly sin of fear can manifest itself for type six. And we're going to call these the three problems. So problem number one. Seeking security through unrelenting questioning and doubting. So one of the gifts of sixes is creating security. And this is a gift in a world that can be very dangerous. They foresee problems before they happen. However, sixes fixation on security becomes a problem when it turns to constant, unrelenting, watching, doubting, testing, and questioning. Uh, My wife who's a six, calls this running the gauntlet. It's making like all people, all experiences run this gauntlet of tests and questions. And the problem is that if that other person or the situation fails even a single element of this safety test, it triggers the security systems. Like the place like sets off the alarms, it goes into lockdown mode. um, And it creates security, but it really comes at the cost of extreme isolation. Yeah, and this, this is just an impossible problem to solve. You know, there's no way to avoid danger or f- problems. So for the six, it just turns into this never-ending, infinite kind of longing and, and striving after something that's really unattainable. Okay, so that's problem one. Problem two, projecting internal fear outward onto others. So projection is the thing where a six has unconscious impulses or qualities, both positive and negative, but denies their existence in themselves while attributing them to others. 
So this is a classic blame shifting move because a six may feel scared, but instead of owning that fear, they may say, you're scaring me. So what happens is like basically like the other person is to blame for their fear instead of the six taking personal ownership of their fear. And this really happens a lot, especially with authority figures. Hmm. So sixes may feel powerless, but instead of realizing that their own fear is responsible for their feelings of powerlessness, they blame the authorities in their life for making them feel powerless. And of course, like there are real times that people can be victims and they should be afraid. And we are not dismissing those times. What we're discussing is the sixth tendency to over-apply and generalize their fear out onto others and in far too many areas of life. Okay, problem number three, living out of fear without acknowledging fear. Basically what it means is this. A lot of us, we have this deadly sin inside of us and we live out of it without ever actually acknowledging it. And sixes have the tendency to make decisions based on their fears while having no awareness that they are doing so. So again, instead of owning their fears, sitting with their fears, consciously managing their fears, sixes can simply act out of their fear. Mm. And so fear then becomes like this driving force for decisions and actions, avoiding anything that might trigger more fear, that might cause anxiety, that might cause panic. And they end up chasing after anything that might be more secure, that might be more peaceful, that might be less risky. And for the six, they believe that these are all just logical, reasonable choices instead of seeing that they are driven by fear. Yeah. Okay, so that's the bad news. However, let's turn a corner and let's talk some about the good news. Sixes struggle with the deadly sin of fear. Well, what is the remedy for fear? It is God's presence. The only way for a six to truly transform is to experience God's presence. He is with you always. He's never forgotten you or overlooked you or abandoned you, put you last or left you. In every moment of your life, he has been with you. And a six who can truly accept and believe that God is always with them, they will then be able to have their fear healed and they can move from a posture of fear to a posture of courage. Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4 says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So let's explore what living a life of courage looks like for a type 6. So now we're going to take those three primary ways that the deadly sin manifests itself for this type. And now we're going to explore specific ways that God invites us out of our false self and into our true self in Christ. So we're going to look at each problem again and then offer solutions for that problem. And just a note, we've adapted a large portion of our teaching from Beatrice Chestnut's The Complete Enneagram, but we've infused it with Christian theology. And we're going to make way more suggestions than you could ever memorize. So just pick like one or two things that you're going to focus on and then just revisit this list as you're ready. So Sam, kick us off. Okay, problem one, seeking security through unrelenting questioning and doubting. So the first solution for this problem is recognize that uncertainty is an inevitable part of life. Life is unpredictable, uncertain, full of risk and danger and the unknown and full of beauty and wonder and spontaneity and all these great things. Like it's a both and and we live in this tension because we'll never fully experience safety and peace on the side of heaven. The only thing that is certain is God himself and God's presence. And we can't always predict even then, like, what is God going to do? You yeah. know? And so if we are always only chasing after what is certain and predictable, you know, that's going to lead to a very, very frustrated life. Well, that's just not where our hope is found. Our hope is not found in the certainty. We have we have faith. We have faith for what we can't see and what we don't know. You know, so if you're trying to, to strive after certainty of, of checking all the boxes and making sure for the last time that I've done all the right things, 
that's that's not where our hope is found. We we serve a God who can be trusted and he's asking us to trust him. And that means stepping into the unknown, even with our fear, even with the doubt and just saying, Lord, I'm, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. The only way for us really to become comfortable with uncertainty is to rest in the presence of God. There's this old saying, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Mm-hmm. And for a six, like that is an invitation to rest in God. The second solution is remember that if you look for danger, you will find it. Uh, Just the bottom line is this, like you look for something long enough, eventually you're going to find it. Yeah. So if like you're looking for something that's dangerous, eventually you're going to find it. If you're going to look for something that is, you know, a risk factor, you're going to find it. Um, We we tend to find whatever it is that we seek. And so for the six, like you have to do a serious question for yourself, which is what am I looking for? Am I looking for danger for something that's going to scare me or am I looking for evidence of God's presence here with me? Mm. You know, where is God at work in my life and in my world? Okay, finally, the third solution is get out of your head and into your body. Find a physical activity to relieve stress and anxiety. What would it look like for you to step into a situation without finding the pitfalls and the dangers first? Yeah, I tell my wife all the time that I can really I can tell when she's been walking or running or doing an active project around the house because she really is. She is a different person when she has been physically active. She's more calm, more optimistic, more present. She's less afraid. Mm-hmm. It's it's like her thoughts kind of catch up with her body. It's like her body is like, let's go live. And her mind is like, good idea, because I'm so exhausted. Yeah. Your Internet surfing. Honestly, it's a really good practical step because the internet's just like this endless infinite danger zone a lot of times it's just showing us more reasons why we should be afraid seriously like webmd i feel like has screwed up so many sixes in the world yeah or even just like i have all the diseases or just like the news like it's showing us like all the things that are going terribly in the world and we'll see we can't trust that airline anymore whatever it is like so just it's really important to not try to get rid of your fear but to show up even with your fear sixes you guys need to Every day, wake up and go, what am I going to do today to get into my body? So those are some of the solutions for problem number one. Let's talk about problem number two. Problem number two is projecting internal fear outward onto others. So the first solution is claim what you project. One of the ways that my wife has done this recently is that, you know, we've always had this issue in our marriage where we're like driving down the expressway Mm -hmm. and like a semi pulls up on one side of us and I can tell like she's a little nervous. If I'm driving, she's a little nervous. Then a semi pulls up on the other side of us as well. Now, Mm -hmm. this is all just like random. You know, it's not like I was like, I've got an idea. Let's get the semis around us. But her reaction for many years has been she would turn to me and she would go, you're scaring me. Hmm. And I was always like, what am I doing? I'm just the guy driving the car and I'm not even speeding. I'm just like stuck between these two semis. Mm -hmm. And recently uh, she's changed that language to go. She she notices the semis and she goes, I feel really scared right now. Mm. Can you do anything to help me? Mm. That is a very different thing because that's her taking ownership of her fear Mm -hmm. instead of saying that I'm the cause of the fear or that the semis are the cause. Like she's just saying, I feel afraid. Mm-hmm. Can we do anything about that? Yeah, and it moves your posture from someone who who is at fault into someone who can offer help, you know, instead right. of saying like, hey, like it's your fault. I'm afraid it's your driving or whatever it is. Like your your mindset's no longer thinking of like, well, what can I do to atone for my mistake? It's yeah. like, well, how can I help you? Like, what can yeah. I offer up? And, she, and in that scenario, when a six is going, you're the reason I'm afraid, 
it's not causing the six to change in any way. It's only telling the other person you need to change what you're doing. Mm. But when the six goes, I feel afraid. Well, now the six can go, hey, this is a specific opportunity for me to be courageous. That's really good. Okay, second solution, become aware of your own issues with authority. So sixes, you're really prone to be drawn toward authority. You guys are kind of magnet, it's magnetizing to you. And a lot of that is because of your desire for order and desire for predictability and structure and hierarchies of who can I look to in case something goes wrong like but a lot of times for the six it comes from a place desiring authority comes from a place of self-doubt because I don't know what's going on within me so I can look to somebody else who's beyond me and who's ahead of me or who's above me and they'll provide a semblance of security and predictability yeah sixes tend to have a real push-pull relationship with authority they're really drawn to authority because the authority hopefully is going to be the one that's going to finally tell them how to feel safe but those authorities will inevitably fail you. No matter how wonderful the authority is, mm. they're going to screw up at some point. And then the six has the desire to go, okay, all my chips were in. Now I'm pulling all my chips out. And recognize that this push-pull tendency is really more of an indicator of your longing for security than it is about the actual authority in question. Okay, finally, the third solution is learn the difference between projection and discernment. So projection centers around uh, negative aspects of yourself being thrown onto others. But discernment is actually just about wisdom. Mm. You guys are in the head triad. Like You guys are thinkers. Don't forget, an overreaction is as much a lack of discernment as an underreaction. You know, discernment is about being able to perceive correctly, weigh correctly, act correctly. And this is going to require the six to rely on the Holy Spirit speaking to them. Yeah, six is you're great at looking to other people for that authority voice. But while there's always benefit to getting counsel from trusted friends, you guys must learn to rely on the Holy Spirit speaking to you, quieting that self-doubt and living out of an active, courageous faith. Okay, so that was problem two. Let's move on to problem three. So problem three, living out of fear without acknowledging fear. So the first solution is notice how fight, flight, and freeze are all fear-based responses. It, it might be easy to think that if I freeze, it shows that I'm afraid. But if I fight, that's me not being afraid. Well, that's just not the case. All of those three postures are fear-based in a, in a reactive posture. In yeah, they're way. all forms of reactivity. And I say that like in contrast with receptivity. So receptivity is about receiving what's happening without defense. But reactivity is about protecting yourself from what is happening. So like reactivity like has its place. I mean, sometimes like crazy stuff's going down. You need to react fast to mm-hmm. it. But, it, you know, reactivity really makes for a difficult life on a daily basis. Um, so we want to move towards receptivity. Uh, the second solution is learn how to feel fear without staying in fear. So first, ask yourself, do I feel afraid right now? Second, ask yourself, uh, what what happened that triggered my fear? And third, How can I show courage right now? You know, by stepping into the courage that God is growing inside of you, you can move on from fear. You don't have to stay stuck in fear. Courage is going to help you get unstuck. Yeah, but you can't move on unless you first acknowledge that you're afraid. So denying fear and blaming others is not the way forward. The first step is to invite it in, to ask what it's trying to teach you, and then to let it go and release it. So finally, the third solution is... Flip the script by applying your faith. So Hebrews 11 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the confident of things not yet seen. Sixes actually have an incredible gift for seeing things that don't yet exist. <laughs> you know? In what way? Well, I mean, they anticipate a lot of dangers that have not actually come into existence. Hmm. And so this, what we're proposing is we're saying, use that gift of being able to see things that don't fully yet exist 
but apply it to your faith. Yeah. What is it that you're hoping for? Instead of what is it the thing you're afraid of that doesn't yet exist? What is the thing that you're hoping for? Uh, what is it that you're leaning into? Um, you know, you're already pretty confident of the dangers that you can't see, pretty hopeful that things will go wrong. Like, why not be as equally as confident that God's going to protect you or that things will turn out okay? And we know one definite outcome. In the end, God wins and we are with him. So remember how your story ends. So one final question for you to take with you is just this. What would you do if you weren't afraid? And what steps can you take to just do those things anyway? That is courage. All right. When we come back, we will be talking with recording artist Liz Weiss. Stay with us. So, Sam, you did the Love That Neighborhood program. That's true. I am a two-time alumni of the Love That Neighborhood yeah, internship yeah, yeah, program. Right. <laughs> uh, what's something that you really enjoyed about your experience? You know, we say it all the time, and it might sound cliche at this point, but I really love the community aspect of the program and just the emphasis on getting to know your roommates, getting to know your neighbors, and feeling like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah, and that's actually something that we hear all the time. It's one of the most consistent responses we get from people that do the program. So, for example, Ifama Wachuku, she's actually a program director now at St. Vincent de Paul, where she works with people who are homeless and people that are struggling with mental health issues. But she was reflecting on her experience in the program to us. I know the importance of being known by people and not being afraid to be known by people because God knows me and God's people desire to know me and I desire to know God's people. So if you're like Ifama and you are just desiring to be a part of a community and to be a part of something bigger than yourself, we'd love to have you come serve with us here in Louisville. Um, You can serve with us for a summer or a year. Go online to lovethatneighborhood.org. We'd love to get to know you. Hey, welcome back to the Indian Cast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Our guest today is Liz Weiss. Liz is a singer, songwriter, and recording artist. She's been praised and featured by NPR's World Cafe, Mountain Stage, E-Town, NPR's Weekend Edition, Relevant Magazine, and more. She has shared the stage with Josh Stone, Blind Boys of Alabama, Lecrae, and The Temptations. The title track for her first album, There's a Light, received more than one million streams on Spotify. Her most recent album is Save Me, and she is a six on the Enneagram. Welcome, Liz. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good to be with you. Well, let me ask you this. Um, You know, when you first came across the Enneagram and you heard about the description of the six, you know, what what resonated with you? Just the, the fear of the unknown, which a lot of people have, but fear to the point to where it's paralyzing. And so what would it look like to be free to just, it's not like, so I might go skydiving. I'm afraid of heights. That's a natural human thing to not want to jump out of an airplane. Yeah, that seems reasonable. it's insane. (laughs) But you would go skydiving? But I would go skydiving. And like, even though it's not like a, a, a sane thing to do, like that makes sense. But there are certain things that God calls me to do that most people could do easily even though they don't know the outcome, because no one really does. But for me, it is so painful to have to rely on other people and trust other people, even to the point of trusting the Lord, to put my trust in this invisible being that I've seen certain works of his hands in a very beautiful way. But that one time 
20 years ago. And then again, 10 years later, that was just so painful. And then last year, that was just so painful. Like, how do you expect me to continue to trust, even though the good and the beautiful outweigh those painful experiences? They just echo so loudly that it just causes me to always have my guard up. Yeah. Um, before we kind of jump into like the super deep waters of of getting into like the weeds of like fear and just uh, problems that maybe you're coming up with, what resourceful traits of the six do you enjoy the most? I mean, for myself, I feel like sixes probably really love people and they love connection like that is heaven on earth to them. I just went on a cruise tour not too long ago and the part that I love the most that brings me smiles when I randomly think about certain things that happened on the cruise is not shows, is not my performances. It's not singing with other people, even though that was fun. It was, oh man, when we were in the hot tub and listening to music, but laughing with one another, or when we had this experience together the friendships that I have, I value them a lot. And so once someone does make it through that barrier of trust, not that they had to be perfect, but it was safe enough for me to feel like I can be myself in certain things. Like I revealed this about myself and they didn't reject me. I revealed this about myself and they didn't reject me. Like I feel safe. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, sixes seem to have that that natural pull towards a, a desire for community. I mean, I think all of humanity does, but sixes have a special relationship with it. Like my wife's favorite movies or television shows almost always have to do with like a family going away to like a cabin for a weekend or like living in a household together. Like Mm -hmm. she's very centered around like this family that goes through thick and thin together. Okay. We've talked a little bit about this. So this season of our podcast, we're talking about uh, how we can change. And we don't, our conviction that we don't need to change the things about us that are good, obviously, but just the things that um, are bad. So for the sixth, that would be the issue of fear. Um, so for you, yeah, you said that you resonated with fear, but where do you think that like your fear comes from? And um, how can you notice fear kind of show up in your life? Well, it's interesting because I wonder like growing up in a household of five kids, being a middle child of a single mom working multiple jobs, having certain experiences where you had to take care of yourself. So like a self-reliance when you're very, very young. Before I knew and started to follow Jesus, right? So it's like, just because I say yes to Jesus doesn't necessarily mean those past experiences that whatever I experienced before I knew him um, would just vanish. And so you have like these experiences in your lives that, I don't know, I feel like they just form who you are. And as I've gotten older, fear feels more like a burden now than something that can be a companion. And so recently I've just been like, God, darkness is such a heavy burden to carry. And even though I'm afraid to fully trust you based on certain experiences I've had, throughout my life, I have like something has to give because I can no longer live in this way because it's too exhausting. And even though that's scary for me, it feels easier to do than to continue fear and anxiety. I'm just th- I'm listening to you and I'm thinking like, 
I think that's a really healthy posture. You know, in the first half of life, there's certain elements of each of our deadly sins. I think that there's almost a, we don't see it fully as a deadly sin. We almost see it as a valuable thing, like um, where it's like it's a thing that drives us and it's a thing that protects us and it's a thing that helps us you know, make certain choices. But as we get older, we're like, I'm over this. Like, I don't want to carry this around any longer. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to move on and do other things in life. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about some of the problems that we were talking about before the commercial break. So problem number one is seeking security through unrelenting questioning and doubting. How have you seen this show up in your life? Oh, man. I feel like I could I could go back to where that started. And like I said, in my childhood, yeah, growing up in a poor environment where your mom has to work multiple jobs and you don't know if you're going to come home and the lights are on or the heat's working. And then getting so sick to the point of near death um, for years, for seven years straight, like going into the hospital and not knowing if it was going to be bad news again. And so it's like, it feels impossible not to have had or not to have the personality that I have. And then you go through life experiences like going to praying about your call and then going towards that call. And then all of a sudden you're 30 and what you invested your education in, (laughs) being in student loan debt in, and now I'm doing a career that I never saw for myself that feels paralyzing, like being on stage. Now, not only are you insecure off stage, now you have to go on stage and sing about things <laughs> right. that has like blessed you to sing and song, like given you these songs based on your life experiences. But it's like, I don't even know if I believe this is true today. And yet, the only way I'm going to overcome them is through the spirit of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk about maybe some of the practical ways that that does get walked out, you know, that overcoming. We propose three ways that that overcoming could get played out. So, you know, does any one of those solutions really resonate with you? Oh, get out of my head and into my body. I'm a verbal processor, but there are so many things that I'm not saying that are always on my mind. Like even last night, I couldn't sleep. And I don't know why, but my mind was just running and running and running. Like your mind just just wouldn't turn off. And I'm like, I don't know what I can do to make this turn off. I'm sure looking at Instagram didn't help. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So so recently you you did a tour where um, you were on a cruise and part of cruises is like, you know, you get to eat great food and you get to go walk on beaches and you get to get into the ocean. And like, it's a very sensory experience, you know, for you as a six, do you find that when you have like highly sensory experiences that it helps you get out of your head? Uh, It depends on what it is. Yeah. Yeah. A a helpful, a good, healthy sensory (laughs) experience. Usually that's nature. Um, So when I went to Mexico, It was a very heady experience knowing what's going on in our political climate. So that was one thought. And then the other thought was, this is so beautiful. Seeing water that's so, like, just sitting in warm water that's so clear, where you see little fish swimming around your feet. 
being on a boat where you see the vastness. I mean, you don't even see the whole ocean, just like however far your eyes can see and thinking, this is what the world looked like before land was made, before animals and people were created. Like, God, you made this. And not having a laptop and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and text messages and phone calls and the ability to listen to music and just sit there and listen to the ocean waves. And that stuff silences me because it's bigger than my mind and my imagination could understand. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so earlier we talked about um, different ways that sixes can kind of live in that false self. And one of them, uh, problem two, was projecting that internal fear outward onto others. Do you, is that something that you experience for yourself? Does that resonate with you? Um, I mean, honestly, I couldn't say that I do that. But what I can do is project things onto myself. How so? I'll think about what people expect me to be and then realize I can never be enough for that person. And so that causes me to pull away from them. And do you think, I mean, is it, do you ever find that there are times where you're perceiving what you believe they want from you inaccurately? Like you're, you're saying, I think that they want this from me and I can't be enough for that. So I'll pull away when the other person actually hasn't expressed that at all. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's projection. I mean, that's, that's like because you've got certain fears or anxieties of like, oh, this person might want something from me, but they didn't actually express that. But then I'm going to respond to what I think that they're thinking and make decisions based on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, but also I think because I am a singer and because I do travel a lot and I get to do cool stuff and collaborate with people, there are certain people that will come into my life that I'm afraid that they want to use me for my status and not actually want to befriend me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's usually based on something that they said on their own. Yeah. Like, I'm a big fan of you. And that's always, I mean, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. But like, if they say that too many times to an uncomfortable level, then I think, all right, I don't think you actually want to be my friend. I think you want the idea of my friendship, which I I can't provide whatever it is that you think that I am, which they might not even be thinking that. So I guess that is projection. Yeah. Like you, you mentioned, like you said that you kind of have like a, you have your guard up and, you know, you have life experience that validates the need to have your guard up, you know? So I think that we're just kind of getting into the point, which is that the Enneagram and how we are kind of formed, like we have stories that go back decades and projection kind of feels like a, a funny word but yeah just kind of like keeping your cards close until somebody can kind of show that that they're in it with you for the right reasons or something that you mentioned of giving your authority away yeah yeah I have said that before where there are, have been certain people in my life that I have given my power and given them all my cards and then when they fail you in that thing, that it causes a guard to go up. But like, I think it is that desire for security. Like I need someone to carry this. I need someone to feel safe with that's tangible. And I'm going to give it to this person. And then they fail. And then it's like, well, then I don't know who I am. I'm spinning into outer space because if I can't trust 
God who's invisible and I can't trust this human, I can't trust myself, then where do I go? Yeah. And that's that's like the 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 trick of the deadly sin of fear, you know, is it's mm-hmm. just like I can't trust myself, I can't trust God, I can't trust anybody. At every turn, the world is purely just a dangerous place. On fire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I think this is a good example of how like fear can kind of give birth to more fear. Like we can kind of look around and say like, where can I put my trust in? Because all of these things feel so big and feel so out of control. So for you, like where does your faith come into your internal scripts? Like where can your fear meet your faith? Oh man, scripture, probably more like stories. I think of the story of Elijah when Jezebel was threatening to kill him and he runs to the mountain and he's like, God, all the prophets are dead and I'm the only one that's left and she wants to kill me too. I need you to take my life. And what does God do? He's so gentle with him and he feeds him for three days and he's like, you're going to need your strength. And there are still a lot of prophets alive doing work for me. And so I need you to go and do this task. Um, Daniel and the lion's den standing up for his faith. It's not like sometimes we read these scripture stories and we're like, yeah, and then he was thrown in a lion's den and the lions didn't open their mouth. (laughs) It's like, I'm sure he was scared to death, right? Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, Jesus, Jesus weeping in the garden shows that even in his God in the human form, fear is natural. Anxiety is natural. But at the end of the day, thy will be done. At the end of the day, no matter my fear, thy will be done. And time and time again, the Lord is like, okay, so you're afraid, but this is who I am. So there's something about God's being that's bigger than my fear. And so I continue to say yes to where he calls me. I think what you're getting at is this idea of, you know, for me, whenever my fear starts to kick in, I can start to lose sight of God's faithfulness. And for you, the ability to look backward and say, if he was faithful to these people in scripture, if he was faithful to me this many years ago, he'll be faithful now. You know, and I think that just remembering God's faithfulness will allow us to live with courage that he will continue to be faithful. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's really, really good. That's a good reminder. Well, listen, when we come back, uh, we are going to be playing Your Worst Nightmare and and answering (laughs) listener questions with Liz Weiss. So stay with us. So in today's episode of the Enneacast, we're talking about type number six. And the virtue for transformation for sixes is courage. Well, if you want to hear an incredible story of courage, check out our other podcast, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And specifically, check out episode number two, where the gospel meets the sex industry. You know, we had identified the strip clubs in Louisville. Our wives are in the strip club and they're giving a meal to the dancers. Did not like them. If you've got somebody that is so blind that they want to be in a strip club, what in the world do you tell them? I'm here because Jesus sent me here to do something kind of loving for the women in this club. It's just a nasty world. And his face was so, like, shocked. So subscribe now wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Just search for Love Thy Neighborhood or head over to our website at lovethyneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. Hey, 
Hey, welcome back to the Unicast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. And now it's time for Your Worst Nightmare. Okay, so Your Worst Nightmare is a real game. You can find it on Amazon or head over to PressmanToy.com. So, Liz, here's how the game works. Each round, there are four cards, and I'm going to read these cards off to you, and then you're going to put them in the order in which you are afraid of them. One one being the most afraid, all the way down to four, which would be what you are least afraid of. Uh, You're going to write your answers down, and at the same time, Sam is going to rank the order in which she believes that you are afraid of these things. For For everyone that Sam gets right, meaning that she ranked it correctly, she gets a point. And if she gets all four correct, she gets five points. Uh, We're going to play three rounds. And if at the end of the game, Sam has nine points or more, then she wins. But if she has less than nine points, you win. Are you ready? I mean, as ready as I'll ever be. Yeah. 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 I'm like really a good, good at this Like game. a good six, you're probably bracing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I am. My seatbelt's on, as well as my helmet. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Here are the four items. Bees, being cheated on. Jeez. Mm. Shipwrecks. Oh, gosh. You're just on a cruise. <laughs> and running out of gas. Ooh. Bees, being cheated on. Shipwrecks. And running out of gas. Okay. Both of you, tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Liz, tell us your worst nightmares. In order. All right. Number one, being cheated on. Yep. I think it would literally kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm sure it took me forever to trust this person. Right. Two, running out of gas. Dang it. It doesn't even have to be my car. (laughs) If I see that gas light come on and I'm like, there is no gas station in sight. Mm. I've had this happen too many times where gas actually ran out. Wow. Three, shipwreck. Yep. Um, and four bees. I mean, I've been stung by a bee, but there's no nature here. So <laughs> There's no nature here. And you can heal much faster from a bee sting than you can uh, betrayal from, from being cheated on. So I got two right. And being eaten by a shark. <laughs> yeah, or being stranded on the highway forever. Um, I switched up the second and third, so I only got two points because I thought that you'd be more afraid of shipwrecks. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Here we go. Round two. Plane crashes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> We're going to start off easy. The unknown. Someone hiding in your back seat. What the? Oh. And finally, change. Plane crashes. The unknown. Someone hiding in These your backseat and change. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm done. Really? Yeah. Okay. I can, I'm essentially ready. Okay. Liz, tell us your worst nightmares. Plane crashes. <laughs> I fly all the time. Yeah. But the thing that's hard about this one is like the unknown, I feel like in essence would be number one because you don't know if your plane's going to crash. Yeah, that one's like a really general. It's like a catch-all. Yeah, and usually when I'm in a plane, takeoff is, I hate it. I hate takeoff. Once I'm in the sky, I'm like, yo, if we if we crash into a mountain, I'm dead. It doesn't matter. 
into your hands, I commit my soul. <laughs> Three, someone hiding in your back seat. That is so terrifying. Yeah. Oof. That oof. Literally, that makes my skin crawl. And four, change. Yeah. It's inevitable, mm-hmm. but that also feels like it can be considered in the unknown. Yeah. So you said plane crashes, then the unknown, then the back seat, and then change. Mm-hmm. So I got one right. <laughs> All right. I, so so I, what, what? How many points are you up to? Three. I thought that you would be more afraid of somebody in the back seat. You're dead if someone's in the back seat of your car. <laughs> you know, like you're just like, guess this is gonna be a slow and painful, weird death, like or quick and easy. <laughs> yeah. Slit my throat. Just get it done. <laughs> Don't ask me questions if you're gonna do it. So I've got <laughs> just a, hurry up. I've got I've got a friend who's a six, and no lie, in various portions of his vehicle and his home, he has various weapons hidden so there is no regular corner of his life in which there is not a weapon within a 10 foot range he and he's a six yeah, he's a six that kind of six <laughs> you're like if i go i go the lord you know to live as christ I'm to like, die i can game. make a weapon out of something in my room if i have to yeah i mean i lived in an apartment where one night i woke up and i was like if there was a fire i would burn to death because there's three windows in this house and I don't know if my window opens all the way. Oh, yeah. That's no good. Yeah. Yeah, that's no good. That might be a legit fear, too. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> okay, round number three. Here we go. <laughs> Eating expired food, accordions, break-ins, and motorcycles. Eating expired food, accordions, break-ins, and motorcycles. This one's going to be an interesting one. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in this round. <laughs> there's a, w- a lot of weird stuff going on. Oh, this one is hard. And this is very telling of my personality. See, this is good. This is part of six is acknowledging their fears, mm-hmm. so that they can then, you know, begin to work through them. Yeah, you're welcome, honestly, Liz, for this, for yeah. this session. Yeah, this is like a therapy session. Yeah, this is exposure mm-hmm. that therapy. I don't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everyone gets to listen to. So there's that part. <laughs> Everyone gets to analyze me, and I'll question everything I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All right. You're welcome. Okay, let me know when you all are ready. I'm ready. Okay, so Liz, tell us your worst nightmares. Uh, break-ins. Yep. That's a legit fear. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that's scary. I guess motorcycles. I crashed a Vespa. Oh, really? And I totaled one, and I have a scar on my leg, and I'm sure I had a concussion. And my friend was more concerned about her bike than me. And so I was so angry at her for pressuring me to ride on this thing that I went home and went to sleep, y'all. I could have died in my sleep. Um, Yeah, you should not sleep with a concussion. I know. I'm not a medical expert, but I do want to say that's (laughs) probably not the best. Um, I guess expired food. You guys, I would, you'd be shocked at the things I eat. I'm (laughs) like, well... It's a month expired, but it still smells okay. So I'm going to eat this. You're like, and plus, you're the like, heat will kill it. Yeah, and you're like, I've been on the road. You know, I paid for this right. stuff a month ago. And I, want, right. I don't want to go grocery shopping after being on tour. You're right. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to drink this milk that's now yogurt. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> I should be dead. Um, I guess accordions. I mean, I can think of why they could be creepy. I can see like a scary clown playing it and riding a tricycle. We could merge all these. It could turn into a scenario where you've run out of gas. And when you turn around, there's someone in your back seat, but they're playing a creepy accordion. 
Ugh. So let's just merge That's them. Broken. Yeah. Yeah. And what if that accordion wasn't actually making noise? Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> and he's just watching you. Oh, that's um, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, yeah. Now that's I can make up some scary stuff, y'all. Yeah, now that's my worst nightmare. Thank you. <laughs> well, I got five points, so well, I don't think I won. No. So Liz, so Liz, Liz congratulations, won. you are the winner. Hey, 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 hey. And now it's time for listener questions. This question comes from My Sweet Sojourn. What's a practical way to help a six not worry about the future? I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know if you can ask a six that. <laughs> Maybe ask me in 60 years when I'm 90 years right. old. Yeah. And I'm like the Proverbs. Um, Third, 31, Proverbs 31 yeah, woman. Yeah, 31 girl. Because yeah. she's really a boss. Right. And I think she's way older than the face that we typically teach her as she laughs at the future because she's been there, done that, seen everything. Yeah. I've been through it. I run my own business. I'm a boss. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. I've not thought about it. So like how can you teach someone not to fear the future? I guess, again, go back to situations where you thought it was impossible to make it through, and you did. I still struggle with that. But just be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. It just takes time. Yeah. It just takes time. Yeah, I think that's good. And this one comes from Lisa M. Sarmoen. Since a type six struggles with fear and skepticism, how would you suggest a six can learn to trust God after trauma? Oh, man. I definitely had an experience last year that felt pretty traumatizing where I remember that scripture that the wise one is the one who builds his house upon the rock when the waves come and the winds blow and the rain comes down. They're not blown over. But it felt like the wave was a little too big. The rains were a little too hard and the floods were a little too high. And I was honest with the Lord about that. And I just needed some space to really feel that pain and be sad and mourn. But also, like I said earlier, coming to the point of darkness, the burden, anxiety, fear, distrust, paranoia is a burden that's too heavy. And I don't want to be aloof. I don't want to cope in a way that's unhealthy. But I want to be able to have a mindset of that happened and it really hurt. But I cannot bring that pain into this new year. I cannot allow that pain to outshine or dim celebration because a lot of beauty has happened too. And that pain allowed me to cut away unhealthy things that I was holding on for too long. Unhealthy people that were dragging me down that I felt this loyalty of, but God says forgive and to love people to the point of not having healthy boundaries. And so I'm. this is going to be my test in the relationship with the Lord that I'm going to give this to you and believe this for this year, for this day, for this moment, that you want this burden so that I can live free. And that's, that's all in my head. That's so, so heady. And when I feel overwhelmed by that, I go for walks. And I just have these honest conversations with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he can handle it. Yeah. And I can't see his facial reaction, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, I don't know what your opinion is about this, but <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. tell you. Yeah. I know in times that I've experienced, like, suffering or, or even trauma, like, for me, what's been healing was to remember that Jesus came to earth and he knows what it's like to experience pain. like it, And trauma. Yeah. Like, he, he was yeah. betrayed by friends. He was a victim. And so, for me, remembering and, and reading the Psalms or... Or reading the New Testament and seeing, you know, Jesus isn't immune to this. You know, he's not he's not surprised by it. He he's looking at it and saying, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I know how much this hurts. I'm, I know. And the God of the universe can identify so innately and acutely with pain and suffering that that it helps alleviate that at least a little bit that we're not suffering alone. Right. Yeah. Thank you. And it's been really, it's been a joy just getting to talk with you. And we, we do enjoy the art that you make. And uh, it's been a blessing to this team. Our whole staff was at your concert when you were here in Louisville last. But, um, but uh, yeah, we just appreciate you. And, and um, we hope that we send you a bunch of new fans because uh, I think the, the art that you're bringing to the world is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you to our guest today, Liz Vice. You can hear Liz's music by visiting lizvice.com or wherever you prefer to hear music. Make sure to catch Liz on tour. Our whole staff caught her recently, and we were beaming the entire next day. Her music is just incredible. Uh, she will both break and heal your heart with her music. Again, visit lizvice.com and pick up her latest album, Save Me. Also, thank you to Crosspoint Ministry, who trains Sam and I in the Enneagram. To learn more about Crosspoint or to attend one of their amazing retreats, visit crosspointministry.com. Our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood is the place where we provide social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Come serve with us for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Today's episode was produced by myself, Sam Stevenson, and Rachel Zabo. Engineering and editing by Rachel Zabo. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. <laughs> <laughs>